This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I am the very model of a modern archer's listener. I've been listening for years and years. I never lie, Rob Titchener. Know the folk of Ambridge and can quote the plot's historical from John being subtracted to Nigel falling off the hall. Dumpty 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 Dum. They've had cricketing and gaslighting and 12 weeks of enamelling, ratings chasing Helen's fainting, Alistair de Schell's horse paintings. But it's sonic and iconic and bucolic and is full of cows and bunting, theft and eggmobiles and Christmas pantomimes and rows. Dumpty 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 dum. I fear Alice, Chris and Jamie Perks are kidnapped by the Button Twins, the fair brethren are grooming Bert and Jazz has moved back in with Jim. Last year things got floody and poor Kenton teetered on the brink and this year they got bloody and now Helen's banged up in the clink. Orange is the new beige. Of late, it has been quite hard work to be an avid Archers fan. I miss Kate's Yurts and Bartleby and Pip's attempts to bag a man. Who can save us from this drama? That is what you'll hear me wail and moan. Get on a plane to Hungary and bring the Debye Lama home. Oh, I feel like I live in Ambridge. It's exhausting. I feel all done in. So if you want to find me, I'll be drinking gin with Lillian. Dumpty, 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 dum. Bah. Over the past five years, Slibbing World and Sudbury have taken part in Race for Life in memory of a much-loved member sadly lost to cancer far too young and have raised many thousands of pounds for this cause close to our hearts. Our team, Angel Delights, will be taking part again this year and would welcome your support. Our Just Giving page is justgiving.com slash angeld hyphen l-i-t-e-s or contact at dusty substances on twitter thank you (laughs) now folks before i start i have to say i'm recording this on my iphone uh, which is a wondrous thing in and of itself, but it probably means I'll sound like shite. Because this <laughs> is Dum Dee Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that has centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the victorious save campaign that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the furious group of any villagers that is Lucy Freeman. There you go. I just read that. It's quite, quite good, that, Lucy. But I'm going to say that again. And with me, I have the furious group of Edgley Villagers. That's not an easy thing to say. Edgley Villagers. No, it isn't. No. And with me, I have the furious group of Edgley Villagers. That is... Lucy Freeman. 
And the last part of our Root B storyline is you. Today's Dumpy Dum is not a Dumpy Dum at all. It's a tribute to Gilbert and Sullivan by Fiona. And it's also a tribute to a verbal dexterity. So well done to you, Fiona. Yes. But Lucy, mm-hmm. can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumpty Dummer of the Week? Yes, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or knock off your boss in the Peak District, then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Uh, thanks also to Derek, who is working hard on the Leave campaign. He would like full independence from Europe, Scotland and Hollerton Junction. <laughs> oh, and also thank you from the real Derek, uh mm-hmm. lovely martin greaves who has completed and i have yet to sponsor him i'm very sorry Ma- uh, martin i'm oh, assuming it's still, that makes still open because i haven't done it yet sorry um uh and he did very well nobody fell off nobody split their difference or anything and they did a very good bike ride and it's all <laughs> raised lots and lots of money so hoorah and well done knocking off your boss mm. in the peak district yes is that matt crawford's come back that russian mafia storyline you what? Knocking off your boss in the Peak District, yes. Mafia boss Don, knocking them off, killing them. Oh, I see. Yes. Well, the answer is no. No, it isn't. No. <laughs> You're referring to Lillian. I am. Yes. Mm. On this week's episode, we're of course from Goddess Diva, who's still Team Lillian. Hurrah for you, Goddess Vicky from Cambridge, who isn't. Claire, who wants to celebrate Susan. Jan from Cannes who has an update on the Elderflower Cordial Retail Price Index. Yokel Bear, <laughs> who says, thank God for the Grundies. And Jacqueline Berto, who thinks that Susan deserves to shrivel. And Witherspoon, who's got a warning for Lillian. But first, let's hear about Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. <laughs> Sunday, our favourite time of the year when the agricultural community of Ambridge gets to patronise the life out of baffled townies, played by a group of muttering sound effects. So how did they all do? (laughs) Pip took a leaf out of her grandmother's book and became quite hooty. She talked about the beef being exclusive. Adam did his CBeebies presenter impression by asking his audience if they had got a sat-nav in their car and if they knew what it was. Josh somehow managed to sound like some sort of Thai street hawker with his damn eggs. Special price, discounted, very good, love you long time. Toby Toby said he liked to think of himself as a buccaneer. The rest of us liked to think of him as a bucking idiot. He said Norfolk's still a long way away and sounded quite surprised. It won't have got any nearer, will it, Tobes? Not everything's on bloody wheels. Lillian went off on a mucky weekend with Justin. They spent the whole time holed up in a hotel in the Peak District. If they were going to do that, surely they could have saved some money and used the travel lodge on the bypass. She said she couldn't talk without some coffee inside her, which would make a nice change from a septuagenarian property developer. Talking of that, (laughs) Susan said that Bert's marrow was unfeasibly big. Personal, but I bet it cheered him up. Helen has made a new friend. She's a fellow inmate. A public relations manager called Sophie. Ha ha! No, of course she's not. This is the Archers. And therefore, she's a jolly cockney sparrow called Kaz. She's got <laughs> scraped back hair and she's got kiddies called Jaden, Isis and Brexit. Call blimey, love, where are you from? Downton Abbey, she said chirpily, picking up her chimney sweeps brush and high kicking round the prison with Dick Van Dyke. 
And in an astonishing turn of events that shook us all to the core, Route B has been abandoned. Edgley's got it. Hurrah! Who cares? With everything else that's happened, having a dual carriageway going straight through the Brookfield B-Day has paled into insignificance. To celebrate, everyone went to the ball for a party and Dave got a bit overexcited and overtired and started crying and wet himself. So he had to sit down with his <laughs> mummy outside and then he was allowed back in, but no more Haribo. We had a nice picnic with the Grundies, who still seemed blithely unconcerned mm. about the imminent return of Caroliver and the fact that in their absence, the Grundies have filled their house with pigs, ferrets and flowery plaster. But as long as we can go blithering on about haymaking in the old days, it's all right. The Resurgam Garden was put into jeopardy by the insurance company who wanted them to concrete over the river. Eddie and Linda consequently had a bust up over whether Eddie would help her or not. Not was the result. So Bert and the fair buttocks stepped into the breach and turned Linda's vanity project into something resembling a high security centre parks. Rex's self-respect has now hit a new low, which was hard to imagine. He's agreed Mm. to go and look at a demo of progesterone monitoring with Pip. You lucky, lucky bastard. The technology allows you to spot who's on heat, apparently. Rex. Rex is definitely on heat, I would say. The Fair Buttocks and Josh all had a row about Organ and Mincer's restaurant who want more eggs than the Fair Buttocks can provide. Are the Fair Buttocks only allowed three storylines? One, Toby overpromising. Two, Rex trailing round after Pip. Three, Josh coming to the rescue. Repeat once a week for the next 150 years. And in the most irritating part of the week, Toby referred to Josh as his homie. What homie? As in homie (laughs) county or what? Why does Toby speak like this? What is wrong with him? But the biggest and best news was for Susan, who managed to convert Pat's request that she ran extra shifts at the Bridge Farm shop to cover for absent Anya into a demand from Pat that she canter into the shop like Mary Portas in a polyester tabard and save it with her extensive retail experience. They'll be selling Ferrero Rocher and Turkey Twizzlers in a trice. Jolene's campaign to bring Kenton and Silent Wayne together continues in her usual incredibly overcomplicated fashion, and she's now roping Fallon and fried breakfasts into her peculiar plans. <laughs> anyway, it's worked. And now Kenton, Wayne and Beverly Drains are in a ménage à trois, and much good may it do them. The end! Oh, that was a triumph. Well <laughs> a triumph. It was. A veritable triumph. Yes, I, I I enjoyed that this week. Well done, you. Well Thank done. Thank you very much. Hmm. Where do we start? Now we we did a little bit of um that Brexit chat last week, so we, we can't do that. Oh, and also I need to apologise to everyone because I went mad and said the same thing twice. We played the same call and I said the same mm, thing. No, no, you didn't. Didn't I? We played the same call twice and I was fully cognizant of the fact we played the same call twice. Now, because of our timing schedules, everybody um, in Dumbledum land, uh, it meant that the week last week we recorded, no, the week before last we recorded a little bit earlier than normal. So we got a couple of calls in after Lucy and I had recorded, but before I actually edited, of which uh, Vicky from Kenya was one of them. Now, because um, I quite liked the call, I decided to throw it in. So we did a call from Jojo Sex Heels and Vicky from from Kenya. I put it in. Then Lucy wasn't aware of that and then responded to it last week and I put it in again. So I actually knew that we had, but you you didn't. So it's fine. Don't worry. Okay. But we have uh, listeners with eagle ears. We do. That, that uh, yes, that went, aye, aye, we've heard this before. But they hadn't heard you respond to it before. And that's the reason right. I put it in again. Right. Yes. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, so last week, Lucy. Yes. 
can we sum it up other than chirpy cockney sparrows or oh. whatever was, was it a slight return to um it was actually i think mm-hmm. yeah, normality it wasn't dominated i mean i now think what's happening is mm. having gone from oh my god oh my god oh my god what's happening at blossom hill cottage we're like oh god are we not going to the prison again are we because i've just fed it's not moved on it hasn't moved on at all in two weeks that's not strictly speaking true because we are seeing the fact that Helen is slowly but surely bonding with Jack and she's starting to feel protective of Jack, Anthony, Pat, Paul, Ringo, Mungo and <laughs> the fact that, you know, she doesn't want Rob to have anything to do with him. So it has moved on, but it's moving on at a snail's pace. It isn't really it? is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, what was the other thing for me? Oh, Root B. Yeah. Root B. Now, wasn't had that anyone, a shocker? Had anyone even remembered about it? Well... It was like, root, root what? <laughs> oh, the roadie thing. Root oh, canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yes, it was, mm, it was a shocker. I was really surprised. I, I was convinced, absolutely convinced they were going to plough through the Brooker's B-Day. I was. Yeah. With that, with that, mm. Well... Or, or, may, or I, maybe not. I saw, you know, lovely Paul Douglas. I yes. saw lovely Paul Douglas at the weekend because we are both mm-hmm. on the board of our local credit union and we had our away mm-hmm. day this weekend. And um, he said, oh, God, that made me so cross. And I said, why? Because of the storyline. He said, no, because he's a local councillor. And he said, as if they put decision planning decisions on the website before they'd gone through it in the meeting, as if they'd put it on the press office. And he said the way that they'd, um, he said some things in the Archers, they kind of investigate and do so so perfectly like you know spending all that time with the Helen and Rob storyline you know going spending time with the charity and spending time meeting women that it happened to and all this and then other stuff they're just like oh shit they they probably do it like that that's probably fine and he said it's completely wrong how they would actually do it if that was a proper planning decision Mm. this is where we need all the local councillors that listen to this show and there are a lot of them exactly this is where you know it's your time to shine you call in speak pipe in your email in and you know go through the rigors of a uh, local government decision making <laughs> but, in an inter- but in an entertaining fashion please thank you well no 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 no, no. <laughs> keep it real <laughs> <laughs> subsection b of, com- of committee <laughs> of road phone. planning <laughs> yes uh so but anyway um I think this show might be somewhat torturous on, on folks' ears, Lucy, so we might have to make this one brief, which will be somewhat of a tonic for the almost two hours um, yes. marathon of mm-hmm. last week. Mm. I saw the caps on that tweet. I warned my mum. I said, it's two hours this week. And she said, oh, well, I shan't mm. listen to all that then. <laughs> she said, but... I'll fast forward through some bits. And I thought, me, that's who you'll fast forward through. Me, you'll listen to Royfield. <laughs> no, well, that well, that's that's absolutely the opposite to most people's experience of actually how they deal with the Sunday supplement. That is our podcast, as somebody said on the uh, on the Twitters, that you can dip in and dip out. Oh, you? that was you that was whole... lovely, Alison, wasn't it? Nozilla said mm, that. Mm, very elegant way of putting it, yeah. saying that in other words, people just get bored. Yeah, and you then know. and then you can either light the fire with us at the end of the week or stick <laughs> us under the guinea pig. That's fine. <laughs> So, shall we go to those calls? Let's go. Hello. 
Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first, Lucy? Jan from Cannes. Mm-hmm. We need some special music for the retail elderflower cordial retail price index, um, if that's possible, Mister yes, Mister we'll, B. We, yes, no, no. Because remember, back in the day when we used to do the Borchester Land. Yes. Um, yes, we had yes, some bingly bongly financial music. music. We did. Hello, Lucy Royfield. Millie Bell and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. And I'm just calling in with two quick points. The first one is about the elder flower cordial question. Uh, here in Vancouver, it's 500 milliliters, which is the equivalent of 17 ounces UK for $7 Canadian, which equals 3.8 UK pounds. So I'm not sure where we stand in relation to the other places that people have called in about, but that's my contribution to the question. Also, I just wanted to comment, Lucy, I'm with you 100% on the Lillian and Justin question. I think she will rue the day that she ever took up with Justin Elliott. I think she should be putting her time and energy into her own business, into growing her own business. I think her self-esteem and self-worth would grow enormously if she saw her own business thriving again instead of putting all her energy and time into Justin's business. Bye. Yes, Dan from Cannes. Um, 500 mils for seven Canadian dollars. I don't know what that means in English. And she says a boot. Half a litre. Which is very exciting. I've never heard a proper Canadian say a boot, but they really do, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. Mm. And a a boot a and A is what they say all the time. A. Uh, now, Canadian dollars are just over um, half of our English pens. So it's about 55p. Okay. So right. uh, work that out, folks. Yeah. If okay. You, if, you, if you can be bothered or fussed or interested. <laughs> <laughs> and she's with me. She's one for, she's on my team, my Gillian well, team. You've got quite a few as well. I I was surprised, mm-hmm. right, that I had as many adherents to my philosophy on the oh let the wrinkly shag, especially Goddess shag. Diva, because she never agrees with you. I know she was I upset know. with herself. I know she was. <laughs> <laughs> Ye gods, I agree with Royfield. <laughs> yeah, but so yes, I, I, no... I I must admit now, folks, I don't want this to somewhat uh, dilute. Uh, your opinion of uh, my coherence when it comes to uh, me thinking about stuff. But sometimes I'm a little bit contrary just because it makes for much more interesting listening. I can't say I agree with you, Lucy, all the time. However, um, I did heartfully believe that um, Lillian and Justin should be able to just do whatever they want because Justin's marriage is somewhat of a... Um, an interesting thing to behold anyway. Mm. And he obviously isn't living with his missus. So I'll just let him get on with it. And we're all presupposing that Justin's wife, Miranda, and who's to say that she's having an affair? Mm. So just whatever, you let him go. But anyway, I was somewhat surprised so many people agreed with me as they did. So thank you. But to be so fair, when go. we meet in real life, we argue about everything, don't we? No. Well... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um... 
And yes, I agree that uh, Jan from Cannes needs to. No, not Jan from Cannes. That Lil, I would agree with Jan from Cannes that she that mm. if she if she expended if Lillian expended the time and energy that she spends worrying about blokes and trying to make Justin look good on actually dealing with her own business, she'd actually be a lot more satisfied. Yes. Right. Next mm. call on similar vein. Goddess Diva. Just got home from work. Just had some beautiful bubble and squeak and. Even that's not cheering me up. Heartbroken over the, the situation in Orlando. Love is love, and that's why I wanted to ring. I wanted to talk about love being love, and how much we judge other people, and how much we shouldn't be judging people, and we certainly shouldn't be judging Lillian and Justin. She's not an idiot. She's really not an idiot. She knows what she's getting into. Though I hate the expression "a woman of the world" because it makes it sound like somebody who's up for a shag. Maybe she is. Maybe she's got some companionship. Maybe she doesn't want to have to wash his pants and deal with him farting all night. Leave Lillian and Justin alone. They're having a lovely, lovely time. She's not telling any lies. Miranda's not going to be embarrassed. They're going to have a lovely time. It's not his money she likes. It's him. Maybe there's part of it that's a lifestyle, but it's him. So, yeah, heartbroken over Orlando and thinking, stop judging Lillian. It's lovely to hear her happy again, and it's lovely to hear her, have her mojo back with the fair brethren as well. Okay, I'm I'm off to bed. Controversially, Team Lillian, and therefore Team Royfield, Yay. as we've said. Yes, yay for you. I'm not being judgmental. I don't think, yeah, but are. I probably am. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just don't want her to get hurt, and she disappoints me when she does stuff like that because it's just silly. She's better than that, anyway. There we are. You know what? If what? none of us want to get hurt, we shouldn't get out of bed in the morning. No. We all have disappointments and, and whatever. It's called life. Do, 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 do. Yes, I know. Should we do Vicky from Kurt Ambridge now? Mm-hmm. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Vicky from Kurt Ambridge here. Lillian. Lillian. Lillian, what are you doing? I'm team Lillian. I think Lillian's wonderful. But setting aside the whole sort of her sort of lack of morals on this this one... Really, what is she doing with a prat like Justin? All that's going to happen is she's going to get hurt. And that whole bit about the end where he said he was going to pick Miranda up from the airport, talking about rubbing her nose in it. It just feels like Lillian's got absolutely no self-esteem. And that is really, really hard to listen to. Because you know that we're going to go back to that awful scene where she was sitting in the bar trying to chat up people. And, oh, it was horrible. So... Partly to say that and partly to say, I don't know where this is going. Does anybody else feel that this is a little bit bitty, that we've got these odd storylines that are not really sitting together at all? Like we've got the, we've got the Lillian storyline. We've got what's going on with, with Route B, which at least finally they've, they've, they've done that one. We've got the sort of the Pip and the horrible fair brethren. Does it feel like we've got lots of different writers and they're all kind of slotting their bit in and none of it really gels together? Um, that's all I wanted to say, really. It's um, that was it. Apart from, I feel that like I ought to put in a clunky reference to the EU referendum. That really didn't sit anywhere, did did it? It's it was a case of, oh, I'm voting in because blah 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 blah. Are you? I'm voting out because blah 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 blah. Good, we've got that one out of the way. Anyway, moving on. Vicky from Cambridge says, yes, why Justin? She says, um, well. He sounds more... No. I mean, I did like Matt, even though he turned out to be a shit. 
Um, I did like Matt. Um, and I do think there is a lifestyle element, as you say, to Lillian, um, to, to, to uh, Justin appealing to Lillian because he... Um, you know, has a certain, he has that kind of gentleman farmer thing and he can afford to chuck money at everything. And, you know, Lillian does have a bit of a propensity for falling for that. Um, and I also agree absolutely, Vicky from Cambridge, that um, it's, it, yes, the other storylines were feeling a bit jigsawed together, you know, just sort of a little bit of the fair buttocks and then a little bit of Bert and a little bit of Linda. But it's kind of getting back into its stride again now, I think, as as Royf said. Um it's kind of uh it's pretty much back to where it was and we're getting a broader breadth of stories and they're all a bit light still, but you mm. know, hang in there because I think that there's one coming that isn't going to be. So, you know. Uh I I think we are heading back into more sane waters or less top heavy it's you know be less just top think heavy. think about it we've had um single wicket mm-hmm. open sock open farm sunday which is always my favorite it was the best <laughs> open farm sunday ever <laughs> <laughs> and and you know they've managed to shoehorn in all that resurgam nonsense and the yeah. queen's birthday yeah you know this is what I pay my license fee for. I love the way every time it's going wrong for Linda, she says, it's for Her Majesty. <laughs> As if that's going to, you know, all of a sudden make it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, yes, I'll do it for nothing then, Linda, if it's for Her Majesty. Um, mm. Yes. Yes, I know. Yes, we are. We are. We are back. It feels like we're back. And I didn't have to brace myself this time when I listened. I kind of uh, could just do it and without worrying about what the hell I was going to be faced with. Claire from Clapham. Hi, Royfield and Lucy and Dumpty Dummers. I just wanted to say I very much enjoyed the spat that you had in this week's Dumpty Dum, whether Lillian was right to accept the proposition from Justin or whether it demonstrates a sort of lack of uh, self-esteem. I have a varying moral position on this, but I I think it's really important to look at it from Lillian's perspective. And I entirely expected her to say yes, because, you know, she just enjoys stuff. And I think if she thought she would have a good time, I don't think she's that bothered that it's not necessarily forever uh, and that she's not the only person in this man's life. I think she looked at it and thought, I enjoy spending time with him. I'm going to have a bit of fun why not? Um, and I think that is entirely uh, aligned with Lillian's world view. Um, I also wanted to reflect on um, Wednesday's episode, which I've just listened to again in the car on Thursday. And, oh, it was just fantastic for Susan. What a brilliant Susan Carter episode. Let's just celebrate how marvellous it was. First of all, she put Linda back in her box about getting all uppity about the competition from Bert. And by the way, why has Linda got so difficult about this kind of stuff recently? I didn't think it was like her. She got all antsy about the Fallon's, you know, jumble trail and, you know, new people in the village starting to do activities that she might used to have a monopoly on. Uh, and now she's got all hate up about Bert, which is, you know, not really a most divisive character in the village by any means. And I'm not quite sure what the strict script writers are trying to do there um, with Linda's approach to all this. It's like she needs to be the centre of attention and organise everything or it doesn't count. And I thought Linda was better than that. So I'm not quite sure what that's going on there. Yes. Uh, yes, Linda has suddenly started being really difficult about things. She was really aggressive with Fallon. 
and she's been really funny i don't know whether we're oh we're supposed to think i think that she's feeling insecure about something so so she's marching around trying to sort of um mark her identity onto everything and prove that she's still as if she feels threatened in some way but i can't quite understand by whom i mean she can't be threatened by fallon who's done one fairly successful jumble trail uh bert and the garden thing she kind of caved on that anyway because bert was a was as as witherspoon says later on he was a mensch about it and just 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 did it because you know Mm. for the sake of the of the village um so it seems to be another one of those sort of rapid personality shifts that we're that's supposed to herald some kind of issue emerging but i don't know what it is i do hope there is an issue with linda because she's a good enough character as it is she's complex enough you don't need to sort of simplify her mm. do you know what i mean yeah no uh, i i think i agree but i go back to when she first came in and she was a total pain in the ass and was in everyone's business and was telling everybody how to she basically told everybody in the village how to do things other than farm no she even did that yeah as well no well she, the, the she first did... week she was there she had a run-in with david was it oh she had a run-in, For run-in marching across no brian marching across someone else's uh, land anyway yeah yeah there was all those ride away uh storylines which went on literally for, for decades uh, but <laughs> talking about complex characters we got our knuckles wrapped or at least i did more than you lucy because um i think for the most part i've had some quite nice feedback about my muhammad ali reminiscences mm-hmm. and uh because he did just mean an awful lot uh to me personally to me growing up and dare i say it gave us black folks confidence that we could actually be black and i didn't quite crystallize the point as succinctly as that last week but that's kind of what he meant to people of color um but um a listener did say on facebook that she had to switch off it was too much Muhammad ali and not enough alan Devereux, sid perks and i did send her a message saying Sorry that, you know, you thought it was kind of unbalanced, but we do have um, a noble tradition on this podcast of mentioning people who have died of past, um, who Lucy and I were fond of. Mm -hmm. So did a little bit of Prince. You did Victoria Wood. For me personally, I did know that Millie had mentioned Alan. So in her bit, so I just thought, well, I wasn't going to really say anything too much. However, we should have said something. Yes, we should. And we should have. So you were fundamentally right. And the one thing I'll say about uh, Sid Perks being a complex character was that he absolutely was that. My gateway storyline into the Archers, as I've said, ad nauseum, was Kathy Perks' affair with Dave Barry, the Mm. policeman, in about 1984. She was married to Sid Perks at the time. And Sid Perks was the landlord. For people that didn't know, the landlord of the bull. At at that point, Kathy was a school teacher and and she had lots of storylines. I I forget exactly what she taught at at the school, but um, it was a school outside of the village. Sid Perks as a character was complex because he was a nice guy, in inverted commas. He He managed the cricket team. He managed the pub. 
he was absolutely a linchpin of the village, but he was a homophobe. Yeah. He could not get his head around the fact that Adam was out and gay. Oh, yes. And was on the cricket team. And it w- it's a credit to the script writers that you could actually not root for this homophobe, but you, I still actually liked him. Mm. I, he was a bigot and he wasn't shy in coming forward about it. He, he, it wasn't as if he shouted from the top of his lungs at the ball, you know, no gays on the cricket team. But it was, you know, two shades less than that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he made his unease very, very plain. Yeah. But because of the way that the character was written, you still went with him as a person. You know, you didn't just go, oh, you know, just, just run, him, run him out of town. And um, I do mourn Adam's pass, Alan's passing, sorry. And Sid Perks w- was a great character. And, you know, the whole Jolene, Kathy, uh, Kenton square mm. was in effect initiated by Sid. So yeah. there was Sid and Kathy. Uh, Sid has, has an affair. No, sorry, Kathy has an affair first. Then Sid has one with Jolene leaves Kathy to be with Jolene. Kathy is then the jilted woman. Before Sid passes, Kenton ends up with Kathy. Uh, Kathy is raped. Their relationship never recovers. Kenton then finds himself with Jolene. So and that that whole kind of uncomfortable square starts started off with Kathy's relationship with Sid and he was a great character and an amazing actor and and as the um, listener said on Facebook had an an extremely distinctive voice which is uh, sorely lacking sorely lacking I don't know who's cool we're doing now yes Claire from Clapham I completely agree that um, someone said on the Twitters if you didn't enjoy Susan's response to Pat (laughs) <laughs> when then there's something wrong with you absolutely I think it was dusty dusty substances so yeah that oh that that scene it was, was brilliant fa- it was the way susan you could hear the cogs going click click click, click as she's trying to work how yeah. can i make myself sound really good out of this <laughs> it's just mm. brilliant and then it is because pat said the word if you could manage it and she meant if you wouldn't mind, if you could fit mm. it in. But Susan heard the word manage. And that was, a, oh, you want me to be a manager? So my Neil's a manager and I'm a manager. <laughs> Good old Susan. Yeah. I do love her. She's so transparent in the way she, you know, she just seizes every opportunity to try and sort of uh, wring out a little bit of mm. something to show off about out of it. It's great. I love it. Yeah, and, 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 and I think, and Mary, maybe Kerry can uh, can speak pipe in and, and prove us wrong on this. But I think um, that's a case of the actress having great comic timing. Yes, absolutely. And so that they've actually built that into her yeah. character. Yeah. Because I don't remember way back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, Susan Carter being, being funny. so funny. No. She was just a, a gossip. Yeah. Yeah, with with a with a bit of a, a you know a bit a bit of a harsh turn about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But now there is this this other layer, yeah. which I'm sure is all down to the actress, of which then the 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 scriptwriter then kind of layered that on top. Yeah, yeah. No, it was absolutely cracking. That was. Um, uh, who have we got yet? Yokel Bear. Mm-hmm. I 
had a bit of a thought this week because one of the best things that happens on the archers and that happens quite regularly the exchanges that I enjoy most are between Linda and Eddie and it's almost like there's a bit of kind of class warfare going on isn't there you've got Linda who's the kind of very bourgeois middle class character is constantly in battle with the working class grundies i just love this week the whole um the whole fence round um along the river am it was a it was a perfect kind of analogy for capitalism really wasn't it which is that linda was demanding that eddie the worker did something but eddie was flexing his kind of you know well you know if you need me to do this you're going to have to pay me. I love the fact that the Grundies are in it because when you look at the other characters, you know, they're, they're quite kind of bourgeois, for want of a better word, landowners and what have you. And the Grundies are the counterpoint to that, which is that the vast majority of people who live in a rural setting are very working class and probably probably financially much worse off than, say, um, working class people working in a city. Um, yeah, the levels of rural poverty. One thing I found out recently was the poorest place in um, in Europe, believe it or not, is Redruth in Cornwall. Um, it's got the lowest level of income um, in the whole of Europe, which I found incredible. Um, so I think the Grundies kind of represent the struggle for ordinary people to stay in the countryside where they've where their families have have come from. <laughs> I like a bit of class warfare between Eddie and Linda. I think Linda wants what she wants. Eddie wants what he wants. They're both as stubborn as each other. They're both as entrenched in their position. The thing is about the Grundies, everyone else in Ambridge is either tasteful or aspirationally tasteful. Like Susan isn't tasteful, but she's aspirationally tasteful. She really wishes she was. She understands it, but she sort of gets it wrong. Um, And the Grundies are just absolutely tasteless. You know, they put you, they put gnomes pulling moonies and, you know, um, bloody fairy Considering that you're a class warrior. Right? Yeah, I'm not a class warrior. Well, considering that you're so sensitive to the nuances of class. Yes. Right. The fact that you are now an arbiter on taste belies the fact that you are middle, middle class, Freeman. Right. Just saying. I don't really understand what that means. Well, because you've said, right, that mm. the, the Grundies are tasteless. Yeah. Right? That No, 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 Su- but I didn't get to the end of that. I was oh, going to say because it's the hierarchy. too soon? Because it, I was going to say because it's the hierarchy of need, you know. They don't, mm. They're not earning money to buy an eco-cotton gazebo. They're earning it to actually, you know, survive. survive. Uh, and mm. everyone else is just, you know, apart from... Um, uh, Ed and Emma, who are also Grundies, you know, it's everyone else is kind of, um, it's all about, you know, Fallon sending, selling things that are massively unnecessary. And Bridge Farm is all about, you know, organic aubergines and all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, but the Grundies are absolutely, if we do not bring in a certain amount of money this week, we will not have enough money to pay our rent and buy our food. And that's where the sort of the take, they haven't got, they haven't got excess money to be tasteful they've just got money to you know sell things quickly to make things quickly to live quickly Mm. well on a related point 
do find Donald Trump absolutely fascinating <laughs> for the simple reason that he comes from three generations of money. And he's absolutely crass and has no yeah, taste. Yeah, but that's, that's money, though. That's not class, is it? No, but but in your hierarchy, and, mm-hmm. it, and I forget, um, is it Maslow? What's the name of that bloke that did, did the hierarchy, which you're kind of uh, alluding to? Can't remember. Begins with an M anyway. It's very working class to remember who you're quoting. <laughs> but it comes from three generations of money. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect him to be as brash and as uncouth, in inverted commas, as he actually is. Mm. He, he's not a self-made man mm. at all. He, he likes to pretend that he is, that he started with nothing and he, and he made his gabillions. Uh, but he didn't. And I, and that's the thing, was one of the many things I find fascinating about that man. But he made his, that... his family made their gabillions in trade, didn't they? It's not mm-hmm. inherited wealth. So you wouldn't expect there to be class associated with that. But, but but my point is, though, it was his grandfather that made all the money way back when. And then there is his father. And his father then uh, bequeathed him a shed load. So by that time, you, that you would have thought they were almost going to be um, Manhattan landed gentry socialites. Yeah. But they're not. Which three generations of money in the UK, you're going to be hoity-toity. No. No? No. Three generations of that amount of money? Yeah, no, you meet some awful people who are really, um, who've got lots and lots of money and they've had lots and lots of money for generations and they're still horrible people. You know, you, it, well, it, it's yeah, easier but... in the UK because you get sent to 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 private school or public school, yeah, but... and you learn how to camouflage it. But ultimately, you know, no, but horrible. Let's put horrible to one side. We're on about brashness. Common. That's whether whether I mean. you're a nice person or not is, is yeah. immaterial. No, I meant common. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, I don't. We don't get our knuckles wrapped for 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 talking about class structure and uh, U.S. businessmen and uh, and whatever else. But we, we need to circle back onto the archers because I must admit my my thoughts here are somewhat ill-formed. And I only thought about this really yesterday, thinking it was three generations of, of Trump cash and why is he such such uh, you know why is he just the oath that he is? Uh, but anyway, m- moving swiftly swiftly back to Ambridge, <laughs> Lucy. Yes. Um, well, we've done it, really. Yokel Bear. Oh. That was it. Oh, yes. all right. He Hello, Yokel Bear. for the Grunties. Mm. Jacqueline Berteau. Oh, just just, just before we, we go completely on to Jacqueline Berteau, I did love that episode, which was uh, just full of Grundies. Grundyful. Ah, uh, and... gr- <laughs> Grundyful. The... Um... The, the the hayfield the picnic in the yes picnic. and you know joe and he's re- you know just repeating things yeah. and uh love the lovely scene with ed and eddie you know th- them chatting See, you like that stuff i hate it what oh it's what? awful I, the fact that i like people being nice to each other yeah it's very boring <laughs> and seeing... <laughs> i like people being oh. catty and mean <laughs> but where was will yeah well, he popped up last week, didn't he? When he said that they could live at number one, the green. Mm. And then he vanished again. I oh, know she did say, it's a shame William can't come. And mm. he was messing around with his pheasants or something, wasn't he? 
Yep, yep. Anyway. Right. He's doing the pheasants, as she says. Did you say Jacqueline Berto? I did say Jacqueline Berto. Ooh, go on then. Hi, it's Jacqueline Berto in lovely sunny San Gwen in Brittany, not a flood in sight. I'm back. Not that I've really ever been away from Dum-de-Dum. It's the archers that I've not been able to cope with. The Dark Lord story disturbed me more than I cared for, and then Helen's passiveness frustrated me, and my worry for Henry still overwhelms me to the point of nightmares. Well, it's Sunday morning, and I'm just bracing myself for the omnibus, first time I'll have listened in four or five weeks. I'm hoping to hear more positive views from the friends and family of Helen, and realisation must sometime hit them that they've been done, they've been had by you-know-who, and how he's manipulated them all. I'm also really hoping that Susan, uh, uh, well, I'm hoping to hear that Susan had been gossiping, gossiping in the only way that she can, in a kind of really malicious way, and she'll get it wrong big time, because Susan, you deserve to shrivel with with shame when the truth comes out. Well, have a good one, everyone. Bye. She says Susan deserves to shrivel for gossiping. Well, what I'm hoping is that when she takes over as manager of the shop, because she's a mm. manager... Um, that she will fit, find, she'll go through the stock take and the and the, she'll balance the books and realise that Rob's been siphoning money off, and that will alter her opinion of him. And what Susan thinks ah. that tend, tends to be what the rest of the village thinks, because the ones that think about things, oh, like, I disagree with you there. I think it, generally Susan comes to things after the rest of the village. No, because well, I reckon the ones that think about things like Carol Toboggan and Fallon and people that have actually got a brain of their own mm. tend to disagree with Susan but the ones that don't think about things like Jennifer Aldridge you just go oh dear yes well that is all a bit tricky isn't it you know they tend to they <laughs> tend to reflect what Susan's Susan just picks up the most commonly accepted point of view I think mm. so if Su- Susan's like a barometer if she shifts her opinion on Rob the rest of the village will then follow so I agree with you and disagree with you in equal measure in that um, you're, you're almost saying that Susan Carter has the ability to sway minds. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't believe that she does. What she has in these situations is a bit of a lizard mind. She's purely instinctively reactive. Yeah. And us as listeners invariably go, oh, you know, <laughs> she hasn't thought this through. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. However... I do agree with you that she's somewhat of a barometer uh, or somewhat of a lightning rod, if that's the right expression, I'm not quite sure, in terms of showing us how other people who haven't really um, exercised their brain matter on a subject would also think. However, I repeat back, she doesn't have the ability to persuade anybody about anything. She's just there to show you, well, if you haven't thought about this topic... Yeah, but uh, she's what... the she's the conduit for most of the information. You know, because everyone says, oh, I've just heard this. Well, how did it Susan said? That she's the one who... Yeah, but how many people walk out of that shop and says, well, Susan Carter said said so, so it must be right. They might comment on it and says, oh, yeah. Susan's in there holding court. Susan's like the go, real version of Susan's Wikipedia. <laughs> me that yeah. Rob Titchener is a great guy. No one well, actually says that, Well, according that, to Wikip- Wikipedia, says this. So we don't believe that, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> so that's okay. She's like human Wikipedia. Mm. There's a little boy in my age's class at school, which is called Wikipedia. What? He's really called Wikipedia? No. No. 
he, I think his name's Tobias or something, but they call him Wikipedia because he knows everything about oh. everything. In my history classes, I was all, I was kind of the Wikipedia. Um, it was the one lesson where I could just kick my feet up on the desk and just read a comic. And Mr. Clapton just said, Brown, to get on with reading Spider-Man. You're all good in this class. <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then he says, wait a minute. Uh, it, it was a German emperor after Wilhelm the Wilhelm the first ago. That'd be Frederick. Oh yeah, that's it. Anyway, so yeah, German reunification. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. I love Mr. Clapton. He was awesome. Yeah. I just got asked to correct everyone else's spelling and then got told off for talking when I handed them back. That's, that's a bit harsh. I know. Life life is hard, Roy. Um. <laughs> Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell and all Dumpty Dummers around the world Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here Angus says, let's celebrate good times as we didn't hear a peep from Rob this week and I won't be mentioning anything related to Bridge Farm today Topic 1 the great Lillian-Justin affair dum-ti-dum debate we heard in the last broadcast. Gee, I thought it was a preview of the knockdown, drag-out Trump-Hillary fights we're going to witness in the autumn. Okay, just kidding, but I firmly side with Lucy on this. First, I think that the self-esteem of all participants suffers in an extramarital affair, and I worry a lot more about Lillian's self-esteem than Justin's. Second, no matter what she says, Lillian's hopes, even subconscious ones, are being unrealistically raised. Third, and most important, Justin is Lillian's employer. Even if she's paid in dresses and shoes, which as an aside is what set this in motion, when an employee and an employer commences a sexual relationship, it creates pathological power dynamics, which actually can cross both ways. Believe me, I've heard this in my office lots of times. My advice to both Lillian and Justin, don't shit where you eat. Next topic, Joe. When I first heard him speak this week, I thought, well, he's okay. But then I heard that single cough. What husband and I refer to as the Kate Winslet in Finding Neverland is doomed cough. Plus, he was doing all this reminiscing this week. Well, I'll just say I'm still worried. Last set of observations. Bert is a mensch. Eddie is not. That's it. Witherspoon and Angus Agus out. Talk to you next week. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Yes, with a spoon. Mm. Um, a warning for William, for Lillian. He says, don't shit where you eat. Yes, you see, <laughs> it's all very well, all this ooh, wrinkly romance, all very lovely, make them happy. But she works for him. And if but this does, goes oh, wrong, he's living in her it. sodding house. Does he house. really work for him? He concocted that position. He's paying her for sex, yes. No, but but he did, she, he's paying living, her in frocks, which I admit is demeaning. He's right? living in her house. But he's not her boss. He actually isn't really her boss. That position as social secretary. Would you rent out your house to somebody you were sleeping with? Actually, I withdraw that. You probably would. <laughs> Nobody, and indeed, probably have. But, but, but that doesn't mean that you know that Justin is her boss in that regard. 
that's just a financial transaction. That's mm. it's a client or tenant or whatever the heck. At least Paul the maniac didn't live in her vi- in the village. Mm. Lillian, anyway. Lillian, Lillian, it's all going to go wrong. But anyway, you've all told me to shut up. I hope so no, that's not true. That's not true. I think it's somewhat divided down the middle, and and, and I think you know the the majority is probably probably with you. But in terms of people on on the twitters, it was maybe divided down the middle. But I just hope that the script writers, um. Are going to throw us um, a nice curveball with this. It would be nice if they kind of end up together. It would be nice if Miranda, we then discover as listeners, has got her toy boys and lovers and all sorts, and that's the reason why she's in Geneva, etc. Et, et so, it is, so we, we don't just have this uh, caricature of Justin being this older, philandering, you know, CEO who just has women all over the place. Because looking at this, the man genuinely, genuinely likes Lillian. He does. And yes, as I said last week, he's been somewhat uh, indelicate with uh, with his courtship of her. Uh, But... He enjoys her company, and and no one can no one can say otherwise. He genuinely does like like being with her, and I just hope that you know what she can get some happiness, and and it isn't just going to be here is another man that's kind of done her wrong, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Because there's much more to Justin's marriage than uh, the, than we actually know. Yeah. Anyway, right now, uh, we've is... had a we've had an oh. email. Good um, heavens, and that's <clears> the first time in a long time. The email system at Lower Loxley has apparently gone wrong and it sent uh, Cosmo uh, ah. uh, the report from the trustees at Lower Loxley. Ooh, okay. um, it said, uh, Lower Loxley Estate is held in trust for Mr. Frederick Pargeter uh, mm. and we, the trustees, are responsible for the estate until Mr. Frederick may inherit in accordance with the terms of the trust. Mrs. Elizabeth Pargeter merely is allowed to live here until Mr. Frederick inherits. Now, I'd forgotten that. I, I I remembered that. How old's Freddie now? Sixteen. Is he? Yeah, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. we've got two so years that, right. because, yeah, I mean, how is if he take if he comes into the estate, how is he going to? Because he doesn't get on terribly well with his mother, does he? Well, is Ardy going to kick her out though? Is he? I don't know. He's not the brightest light in the harbour either, is he? <laughs> um. Mrs. Pargeter pretends we do not exist and runs the estate as she wishes without so much as a buy your leave. Uh, she has borrowed money to provide rooms through converting the old dairy, despite an agreement with Gay Grables that she would not compete with them in hotel business. She has lent money to her brother, one Kenton Archer, as if it were her own and the estate was not entailed to her son. She sacked the highly competent assistant manager, Mr. Roy Tucker, whoa, whoa, without whoa, good whoa, reason. Whoa. Do we actually know... How do we not know that that was actually Lillian? Uh, Lillian, that was uh, not actually Elizabeth's own private savings. The money that she lent because to she talked about it being from did the she? estate. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Oh dear. Um, uh, she sat Mr. Roy Tucker without good reason and replaced him with a completely silent woman. Someone called Lewis still apparently roams around the place without good reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We feel that if there are further transgressions by Mrs. Pargeter, then we would have to report her to the authorities. Recently, we have to say that the entire place has been almost forgotten. 
After an unbelievably successful pop festival several years ago, there was a bit of an opera last year, and then it is as if the place has been entirely forgotten, and whilst we had hopes that a Dr Locke might provide a good father figure to Master Freddy and Miss Lily, <laughs> his existence almost seems to have completely forgotten as well. After Why all... would that be of interest to the trustees? I've no idea. After all, we all want to know more Cosmo. about Jessica... The yeah, petting not animals. staying focused on topic. <laughs> Jessica, the petting animals <laughs> and the ancient retainers. Titcombe. And of course, we feel <laughs> the existence of the trustees should be remarked upon. Yes, yeah, because we heard from the because she had to go and talk to the trustees to get the money to do that thing with the dairy, didn't she? Mm. Oh, and uh, we've had a uh, retail price index, uh, Elderflower Cordial retail price index update from Wales. Uh, Welsh Witch 68 said it's £3.15. <laughs> That's £3.15. Further bulletins as events go. Which, you know what, stacks up pretty well against uh, the Canadian elderflower. Because it, it was does. $7, and I said it's about 55p, <laughs> so just over half is going to take you to just under four quid. Yes. <laughs> it, it does all work out, doesn't it? It does. Do you ever hear about the McDonald's index? No. So there's there's a couple of McDonald's indexes. Um, the price of Big Macs all throughout the world um, and how they're, relative, they're really expensive in Russia when you've done the currency conversion. And then the other McDonald's index is that no countries that have McDonald's have actually gone to war, or at least that was true. What? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. That was true up until, and somebody's going to email in. But this was, and this was true up until at least the mid nineties. And I think when NATO no bombs, countries that don't have McDonald's that do have McDonald's. So America hasn't been to war. That both have McDonald's. Oh, yes. Sorry if if I, if I wasn't clear. So the second McDonald's index is. Economies that can support a McDonald's do not fight each other. And I think this was true at least up until the late 90s. And everybody, well, when this McDonald's index came out, everybody says, what about Britain going to war against Argentina? But the first McDonald's didn't open in Argentina until like the mid 80s. So it's one of these kind of weird McDonald's indexes. But I think, I think, I think, I think when NATO bombed at Serbia, in the late 1990s or the mid-1990s, I think there was a McDonald's uh, in Serbia. So I think that was the first time the McDonald's index kind of uh, was kind of shattered. But up until that point, it, it was true. And it's a whole idea. And the, the whole kind of summation is that if you have a, a consumer e- economy, yeah. you can't afford really yeah. to go to war. Yeah. That, yeah. that, and that, the trade that industries the that keep... Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, I found out something very interesting this week, and I'm sorry you can edit this bit out if because it might only be interesting to you or not even you. I don't know. Um, but I I find everything that you do and say interesting, Lucy. (laughs) Fascinating, in fact. (laughs) I was uh, at a meeting with a lobbying company, an extremely high profile Westminster lobbying company whose name Mm. shall remain entirely nameless, Mm. and they work a lot with polling um, groups, polling companies. Very, mm-hmm. very high profile ones. And mm-hmm. um, they said, but we've recently started finding that we're getting at more accurate information from another source. And I said, oh, re-, they were being very cloak and dagger about it. And I said, oh, really? What? And they went, Paddy Power. <laughs> what? Paddy Power. I bet- heard you. Betting shop. 
And they said they've been right consistently where polling agencies have been wrong about elections, about loads of things. Brexit, everything. They reckon that they're right and, and the polling agencies are wrong. So what are Paddy Power saying about Brexit? Well, the polling, the agency that they use, the polling agency, are saying that uh, it's very, very close. It's something like forty-nine, fifty-one, or something. Mm-hmm. Paddy Power have got... Uh, In favour of? Uh, um, uh, leave. And Paddy Power have got Remain miles in front. Or they did have this time last week when I talked to her. Mm. I thought it was really interesting that, that you'd you'd pay gazillions of pounds to these policy wonks and then actually just have a look down the betting shop. <laughs> mm. <laughs> anyway, yes, enough of the retail price index for Elderflower Cordial. There isn't That's a it. British Nate Silver. I don't know who that is. He is somebody who has this website, this company called 538, and he um, it's data journalism is his thing. And he started off this blog and then it went into the New York Times. And he can fa- he can quite unerringly predict elections. So ah. in the 2012 So what's he election, saying about Hillary? That she will be the president. But, that, but that's actually a really good point. So he built up his reputation in the late uh, 2000s, in the late noughts, uh, by un- unerringly calling all American elections on every level, Congress, Senate, etc. And he called all 50 states within one or two percentage points in the 2012 election. He now has his own website and kind of media business. And he got Donald Trump wrong, as everybody did. He said there is only a, I think he said, 3% chance that he would become the Republican nominee. Oh. Uh, at the start of the process and just said to everybody, just chill out. This is not going to yeah. happen. And of course, it got turned on his head. And because of that, the amount of glee that uh, traditional journalists have then yeah. kind of thrown thrown at his organisation, he's been somewhat on the back foot. But it kind of occurred to me, and I was chatting to somebody about this the other day, is that in the UK, the way that our politics is kind of structured isn't as forensic and isn't as scientific actually as as American politics, you know, in that kind of naked sense of all the varying constituencies. Like in America, there is a Catholic vote, though though Catholics don't vote vote en masse, but they will say the Catholic vote. There is obviously the African-American vote, the Latino vote, the yeah. Southern white vote. The, you know, we don't... Because Trump's miles down on... Is it... On, Hillary's on like 70. African, um, uh, African-American recognition, she's got like 73. And and he's something like 7%. It's miles well, he's, down. His unfavourables are yeah. the, uh, you know, um, record-defining... Uh, but then again, hers aren't that much better no. in terms of her unfavorables. But yes, but this, but it just kind of understanding uh, political betting, um, you know, it's absolutely a fascinating thing. Yeah. And they have a podcast called Five Thirty Eight, where they look at um, they look at American politics in terms of the science of it and polling and polling data and what it really means. It's absolutely brilliant, yeah. and it sounds very wonkish. Uh, but you can listen to it, and and it is actually somewhat kind of entertaining. Yes, yeah. I'm an American politics geek, but Five Thirty Eight is a brilliant podcast, and just to understand the makeup of the American uh, 
body politic really yeah. and then how it moves and, and sways and stuff it's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant but anyway now so we- hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com done is that we've done our emails we have is it now time to um have our camp coffee and build yes. tea break the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, assassinated, killed by a Serbian nationalist. About six weeks later, world war breaks out. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Russia, France, Britain, everyone is drawn into it starting in August. And then, will America be drawn in? Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do T-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. G'day, everyone. Uh, Another good week for us on Dumpty Dum, both on Facebook and on the forum. So if you go to dumptydum.com forward slash forums... You could get involved with a discussion about Pip's love life. We all have an opinion on that. Uh, Brexit or stay, uh, the devil's spawn, I'll know when it's going to be okay again, Team Kirsty, and uh, 
we're still talking about Henry the bargaining chip. So uh, get, jump on, get involved. We know you have an opinion. And uh, if it's something that hasn't already been said, then obviously we will broadcast that on our podcast. Over on our Facebook page, uh, I must admit, I was driving to school one day. I do work in a school. Um, and I heard Susan say that when she was being asked if she could help, she didn't quite see it as uh, helping. She said, she would be like a principal who's charged with turning around a failing school. And uh, I nearly lost my coffee via my nose. So I asked others what uh, their funny moments were. Uh, Pam Crookshank s- suggested that her first job um, as the manager would be to fire uh, Rob, which I think is a great idea. Uh, Karen Cunningham said, I particularly liked the, she's the one with the dark hair in a straight back ponytail moment in the exchange between Tom and Helen about Kaz. Helen might as well have added, you know, the chav. Oh, the archers, I do love you and your stereotypical sub- script writing, subtly taint. Uh, with a spoon said, if I were Pat, I would have replied, uh, actually, more like a temporary school custodian. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And we think you have the proper qualifications. <laughs> Thank you, with a spoon. Sarah Woods Rockle said, I actually did an over-exaggerated comedic roll of the eyes when Susan said this despite being on my own in the dark. Moira Ravenscroft said, oh, I'm sure the best is yet to come. That's when Susan orders the new 100% organic cotton tabards. And uh, I think if you go over to Upstairs at the Ball, uh, Stuart Arundel may already have a graphic on that, Moira. With the Spoon also uh, liked it when uh, Linda lost it with Eddie on Friday, which I agree. I thought that was really funny too. Um, but I, I still am amused by how people don't uh, make her be just a little bit nicer when she's asking for something. Um, the other thing we discussed was if someone said those sweet romantic words, I have a proposition for you, I would not be able to resist their suggestion that I became their mistress. Duh. Has anyone else been in a position where someone thought they were making a great offer but were not? Mint But No Time said, I think I may be in a minority here because I thought that was exactly what Lillian wanted. Someone to put the bills, be nice and romantic, but not have to move out of the Aldridge household. Come on, she didn't really think she was earning the credit card, did she? She's a woman of the world, not some 15-year-old. Personally, I think she crossed the boundary when she started to see the possibility of having her hair done on him. I don't have an issue with the relationship. I really don't have an issue at all. My concern is more, I guess, was more the way he went about it. Um, I just thought it was unbelievably unromantic, I guess. And I think um, if I'm going to have an affair with someone, then, yeah, I guess I want it to be romantic. Um, Or am I asking for too much? Mint But No Time said, As for me, I was offered homemade chocolates and fudges by an artisan chocolatier. I was 14 and thought he genuinely wanted me to taste the sweets and give an opinion. I thought he wanted me as an apprentice. I drew the line when he wanted to take me to the cheapest, nastiest Chinese restaurant in town. Ooh... That's all I can say to that is, ooh, Mint. Dee O'Leary, oh, you got to go on there and read her thread. She is so funny, Dee O'Leary. You need to get onto the Facebook page, peeps, and read that. But I'll give you one of them. She says, an ex of mine was offered £20,000 for me once. The offer went up to £30,000 when he pointed out I was pregnant. you got to go and read it. Kenny Hicks said, yes, it happened to me when Catherine Kavanagh suggested I start listening to The Archers. And Liz Figger says... 
He asked her in public too, so even if she'd wanted to shout at him, taking her for granted, she couldn't. Yeah, it wasn't even the fact that he asked her in public. It was just, I don't know, it was like a business transaction. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, you know what to do. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie Bell. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, yes. Mm. So, Lucy, hit yep. us with your hashtag, the Archer's tweets of the last seven days. Thank you very much, please. Uh, Martha Minnie said, I wanted to rejoice at the Route C news, but all I could think of was the months of Hadley Hock nonsense we all had to endure. Do you know mm. what? That all seems so long ago. It seems like about five years before Rob and Helen. Mm. Hadley Hock. It, it really does. And that celebration in the ball, it did. Do you think that was the writers just celebrating the fact that, you know, that they put this ridiculous <laughs> storyline behind got them? shot of it, yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? That was so Kerry. I laughed when, when uh, Susan said, well, Bert's marrow is unfeasibly big. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> Kerry, that's Kerry. Then at the end he said, written by Kerry Davis. I thought, ha ha, I knew it. <laughs> anyway, um, if we had any ham, mm-hmm. I said, oh, Lillian's shown Justin her grey gables. Brackets. Yes, I do know that's not factually <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's so cool. You can't say that. <laughs> the, um... Uh, th- th- when when uh, Gore Blimey Governor uh, Eliza Doolittle appeared in the CAS in the um, <laughs> in the, the, the prison scene, Twitter went hilariously nuts, uh, which made me laugh. Uh, and Jeremy <clears throat> Peak uh, had her saying, "Where did you come from, me old China? Danton Abbey? Cool, I had to go to Blooming Rada with the Oi Poloi." <laughs> <laughs> And when she said, I thought, all right, okay, stop it now. You've done that. Yes, I know she's got she's got hilariously working class named children. That's very, very funny. And, um, you know, she drops her H's and she thinks Helen's a bit posh. And then she's just adding salt to injury. She goes and says, yes, it's Kaz over there, Tom, the one with the scraped back ponytail. And you think, <laughs> just say Croydon facelift. That's what everyone is thinking. <laughs> just say it. Anyway. Um, now, who's next? Uh, Loma Lindy 12 said mm. if Brookfield was cut in half perhaps Pip could have the half that's you know way over there <laughs> <laughs> like Northumberland for instance and this is a bit rude Tony's consultant naughty 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 Tony's consultant mm. said has Phoebe had her head down all weekend like her auntie Lillian <laughs> <laughs> That's very bad. <laughs> that was tweet of the week. We just forgot to do the fan. Oh, right, uh, right. Now uh, let's just crack on with the end of this show okay. because you're probably thinking this has been painful on your ears because I'm talking to you. You sound from right, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, dumdum.com, we've got a shop, go there, dumdum.com, you can buy stuff. And uh, you also go onto the forum. Forum needs some love because it's a little bit kind of like uh, tumbleweed at the moment. But go on there, post stuff, and, and tell us about Brexit, even if you want to. There's even a thread about that. So it's smashing. Dumdum.com, go there. Now, Can I also are... do something very, very quickly? Here you go. I don't know why I think this would appeal to some people, but I think it really would. Um, the people that like the stuff that I like, that when I tweet and they go, oh, yes, that's, you know, I like, like listening to that from whatever. There's a book by Alexander Masters called Stuart, A Life Backwards. 
and it is absolutely brilliant for people that like ordinary people just tales of ordinary people mm. uh it's absolutely fantastic and i think there are a lot of people that listen to this that would really enjoy it that's it carry on mm. yes a life backwards sounds a bit like benjamin button yes it's not but it's 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 about um yeah it's not like that but i know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> If you would like to keep our little show on the road, there are a couple of ways this can be done. You can do this by hitting the donate button on our website. Or you can go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website. Or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message on your phone. On social media, you can find us specifically on Twitter, where we are at Dumbly Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Me, at Lucy V. Freeman, Sarah Smith, at Sarah underscore Smith, and Harriet at Shambridges. On the Book of Face, you can find us by typing in Dumbly Dum, and then you'll see some 1,200-and-odd lurkers who are being whipped into shape by Millie Bell, who posts <laughs> clever things and people post funny things back it's awesome she's great she's like a benign kindergarten teacher i think she is she is she is she is Uh, that's just about all from me in canada land have you got any parthian shots there lucy v freeman uh no Mm. right okay so it's goodbye from me oh yes i have i have when this all goes wrong with lillian (laughs) i will not gloat can i just say I will not gloat because it is going to go wrong. Okay? Yes. Right. Good. Well, as 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 we said before, uh, you know, life throws slings and arrows in our way and uh, it's called life and stuff happens and what you've got to do is just be true to yourself in the moment, cliche after cliche, seize the day and just whatever so there you go that's my considered opinion and i think that lillian seize the day or like whatever that's your considered opinion yeah that's 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 as philosophical that's as considered as you get really isn't it as as i get she'll be fine she's big enough old enough she's a smart woman and she knows what she's doing you know what you're not giving her the credit that she deserves in this at all she knows the situation with, with Justin. She's all good in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sound like Toby now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. 